The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Packers and yet another loss to Buffalo. We'll break down why the second half should give you some hope. We'll also discuss some questions that you might have after the game. This might be a new segment. Don't know. Uh, we'll see. And then we'll do Golden Tags. And after that, we'll move from the Packers to the undefeated Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk about why the Bucks are taking care of business like we'd hope. Some thoughts about this weekend as they take care, they beat Atlanta and New York. I nearly repeated myself. I caught it. That was good. And then we'll do a little Chuck's Corner at the end. Halloween recap. I don't have as much because I didn't go out that much, but I have a few thoughts about social media, some observations that I have, and we'll go from there. Before we get going, just a reminder to follow us on social media, tap in the keg on Twitter, tap in the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Gotta say, TikTok, man, we've been killing it with reviews and golden kegs, which I absolutely love. That makes me so happy. Um, it's not, while I've gotten some big hits on like highlights and stuff like that, to get like my own shit is get, and get a bunch of likes, getting a bunch of interaction. That has really made me happy. So if you're not following along on TikTok, make sure you do. I can drop the link on other platforms if you need it. Just uh, reach out. You're like, you forgot and you're scrolling Twitter and you're like, oh man, I forgot. I for, what are, what's that again? And yeah, hit me up. I'll be happy to drop that TikTok link. Uh, also make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you've already subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, if you're coming in from TikTok, if you're new, if you're like, I saw this guy on TikTok, sound great. He says podcast, same as his name. I'm going to give it a try. Um, awesome. Welcome. Uh, and if you are that, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and why a little chipper than I usually am after a loss. So the Green Bay Packers fight. That so is a bad way to set that up. The Green Bay Packers began another game where it was in peril against the Buffalo Bills, right? They're 10 and a half point underdogs. No one's giving Green Bay a chance. Everybody thinks that Buffalo is going to face wash Green Bay. And it looked like that was going to be the case in the first half. It was an embarrassing effort from Green Bay. They were down 24 to 7. They looked lost. They looked like they were not on the same level of Buffalo. And then Matt LaFleur was met with Melissa Stark at halftime. Melissa Stark talked about what adjustments were needed. LaFleur almost seemed like he was on the edge of tears and kind of gave this answer like, we just need to fight. We need to show what we're made of. And you could see that that might have been perceived as a white flag, but it, it wasn't. And Green Bay fought really hard and they outgained Buffalo in this game. They won the turnover margin against Buffalo. There were a lot of things that Green Bay did in this football game where if you just look at those, you might think the Packers won. The Packers stunned Buffalo. They didn't though because of a few different variables. And that is okay. Look, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in football. All right? I, I really believe that. I think they are so scary when their offense gets cooking the way it did in the first half. Now, how the Packers slowed that down in the second half was a combination of Josh Allen going YOLO a couple times and the Packers' defense, you know, burying, you know, hatching down. You know, Stephon Diggs was the only guy that got off in this game. Like, he had 108 yards on five, and it was, it was you know, it wasn't really it was on five catches. It really was not this game where Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Stephon Diggs, like, they, they did a pretty solid job. And so that is why 
there should be a little bit of hope and a little bit of momentum heading into Detroit versus what we've seen in the past. I think you could make the case that the Packers could have potentially won in the last few weeks, right? There are a couple moments here with the Jets. There are a couple moments there with Washington. But at the end of the day, you felt cold. I don't exactly feel that way. Three and five is still three and five. Don't get me wrong, right? You're not going to make the playoffs if you keep losing fucking games. That's that's not what we're doing here. And we're not really saying that this is a moral victory. I, I don't want that to be perceived. What I want you to take away from this is that you should at least feel good about the direction of this team. Like you should really feel like this could be the turning point. The second half could be that turning point where you believe in this team again, where you buy back in, where even if you are maybe on the verge of saying this team is not going to make the playoffs, they're not going to be anything more than a seven seed and be sort of the team, the whipping boy, if you will, in the playoffs to get their asses kicked because they are the seven seed. Despite what we had told you about the Phillies and everybody else where it's like, just get in and you never know what's going to happen, right? You have to feel a little bit good about this. Like you can't be that mad about this loss. You really shouldn't. Like I think if you are upset, there are things to be upset about. Don't get me wrong. And we'll talk about those in Golden Kings. Like we, we will talk about things to be upset, but just think about this. If Ron Tolbert does his fucking job and he, I don't know how that crew got to the fucking Super Bowl. Like I have 0.0 idea how that crew got a fucking Super Bowl. I cannot believe that for the life of me. They didn't even deserve to be calling the fucking Sun Belt. Like they didn't deserve to be calling Toledo in Eastern Michigan. These guys stinked. And because they stunk, the Packers wiped away a touchdown on a bullshit offensive pass interference call that was the exact same play that fucked over Eric Stokes. And if Rasul Douglas runs that back, the Packers, I believe, would have beat Washington or it would have been tied, I can't remember. And the Packers would have had a one-score game against Buffalo. And Aaron Rodgers is trying to take the ball down the field to win the football game for the Green Bay Packers. That stuff, like, I, again, I know it... It, it can seem like loser mentality, but I promise you it's not. Rather, it's just looking at the bright side here because there is a bright side. This team is not dead. This team is not lifeless. This team showed some hunger. They showed some swagger, right? They ran the ball really fucking well. Now, is that because Buffalo wanted them to run the ball? Maybe. They wanted them to chew up some clock. So Sean McDermott was like, hey, run the ball take up time. But Green Bay didn't go away from it, right? Green Bay never went away from the run. They kept running the football. They did not try to do what they've done the last few weeks when they've trailed and basically passed their way out of it. They did not do that. That deserves acknowledgement. That deserves giving a gold star, right? Like my wife sometimes will be like, you don't need a gold star for cleaning up the house. But some, you know, sometimes she's critical about my cleaning. And so I want it, want it to be known, like, I clean the house here. So, like, we have to give them a attaboy for running the ball and sticking to it and not going away from it. That's great. They showed some teeth on defense after missing both of their middle linebackers. Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson. 
Eric Wilson was on the practice squad two weeks ago. Isaiah McDuffie had played six total snaps all season. And those guys did pretty well. Besides that first drive where Buffalo got a big gainer through the middle, like other than that, McDuffie and Wilson did pretty well. Now, a lot of people were hyped on McDuffie during the preseason, but it's very different in regular season reps against the best offense in football. And Isaiah McDuffie did the damn thing and deserves credit. And I know the Jair stuff is going to bother the hardened boomers of Wisconsin. I know my dad probably hated what Jair Alexander did tonight. Okay? Like, I, I fully understand that. That said, I think that was good. Like, I think the fact that he kept rattling the cage, they kept getting in the head of the receiver, they kept chirping at the receivers, was a good thing because it threw Buffalo off a little bit and it added an edge to the Packers that I don't think we've really seen that edge. And you're like, why is he celebrating down 17? Yeah, it's a little cringy. And yeah, you're setting yourself up for some mean potential. But he said, I don't give a fuck, all right? And I think that matters, like I, I really do. Because the team like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, wasn't doing that. Another thing to make me feel like this second half was a potential turning point was the Samari Torre play. Samari Torre broke off that route and Aaron Rodgers found him in the back of the end zone. A receiver has not done that for Aaron Rodgers all season. Chris Collinsworth pointed it out in the broadcast. Now, is it a flash in a pan for Samari? I don't know. But wide receivers coach Jason Vrabel, I don't know if it was after the game or in practice, forget the, the Jay who, uh, who talked about this, but said like he's looked really good the last few weeks and he has he's on scout team. So basically all his reps are against Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes. You're learning with the best of them. And could Samari Torre be part of that turning point for the Green Bay Packers? And was Samari Torre the guy that Aaron Rodgers was saying, we need people on the field who are playing? Now, that also might have been a shot at Romeo Dobbs. But guess what Romeo Dobbs did? He fucking responded. He had an awesome catch in the end zone. He had another awesome catch later in the game. Four catches, 62 yards. That's encouraging. That's good stuff to build on. Packers haven't caught one break this season. It's amazing how many breaks have not gone the Green Bay Packers way. We talked about the OPI. We talked about the fact that, you know, Buffalo holds a lot. And Josh Allen, I don't know why, I don't know if it's the mystique of the mafia or what, but Buffalo didn't get a lot of penalties on them. And they, they deserved quite a bit. Um, it was fascinating to watch. But... It, it just has not been, or the, the other break the Packers are going to get an interception on Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers then gets the ball. He gets the ball tipped. It gets intercepted right away. It's bad luck, right? It, and that's been kind of the whole year. Now, law of large averages would say that you're going to have some break. You're going to break away from that. Now, could it be the year from hell? Bill Simmons talks about this all the time. Yeah, it certainly could. It could be the year from hell. But I have reason to believe, and maybe I'm just a naive optimist, but I have reasons to believe that this is the start of the turning point. That we will look back at that second half of the Packer-Bills game and look at that as when it all began and when it all started. 
And sometimes it happens in losses. I hate bringing back the Super Bowl because I think it's really, I don't, I don't want to say cheesy, but it's really sort of overdone. And we've done it a lot in different scenarios when times are bad, when things are rough. But remember when Green Bay went into New England with Matt Flynn at quarterback? And if it isn't for Dan Connolly, the offensive lineman taking the ball back 60 yards, the Green Bay Packers probably win that game. And after that, I think everyone kind of realized collectively, whoa, this team that's been kind of middling all year, they're actually kind of good. And then they went out and absolutely piss-pounded the New York Giants the next week. And then got into the playoffs with the skin of their teeth with a very tough Bears defense. And then beat Philly on the road. Then beat Atlanta on the road with probably the best game I've ever seen a quarterback play in Aaron Rodgers. And then beat Chicago again at home in Soldier Field. B.J. Raji, interception return. Jay Cutler, sprained MCL, Caleb Haney. Shout out. And then won the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's going to go that far. But if you were to tell me that the second half of that Bills game is the start of the championship DVD, I won't disagree with you. All right. Moving on to Packer questions uh, that you might have. I, I So this is like a new segment. I don't have a name for it. I just I was going to do this as like an open, but I was like, I need like a full full ass monologue. Like I, I need I need the full monologue. I learned from the best of them. I I've seen Bill do it. I've seen Ryan Rosillo do it. Part of my take has a host, right, or has co-hosts. So I don't I don't haven't seen them do it. Colin Howard does his monologues. Like everybody does a monologue, right? I, I need to have a monologue there. I couldn't just go right into questions because. There are a few, and maybe we'll come up with a segment on these, um, as we have with Golden Kegs and others, and make this a part, but we'll see. Um, and these shows are already long enough as it is. Like, we already do anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes on Monday. So I, maybe, I, maybe I'm, you know, self-sabotaging here by making this even a longer show than it is. Although I hear from you guys, and you guys talk about how much you like the longer shows. So uh, on to questions. I have three. Are the Packers done? Well, if you listen to that open, that is not how I feel. I do not believe that the Green Bay Packers are done. I do not believe that the Green Bay Packers should be canceled. I do not believe that the Green Bay Packers should be crossed off. What we should look at in November is six and six. That is the worst Green Bay could be heading in to the month of December. Conceptualize this for a little bit. You have to play a very hard schedule in November, right? You have Dallas, you have Tennessee, and you have Philadelphia. Those are very hard football games. Those are not going to be easy for the Green Bay Packers. Acknowledge that. And you have Detroit, and you have Chicago. I know Chicago's looked a lot better the last few weeks, but they also just gave up 49 to Dallas. So you have to take that into consideration. The loss of Robert Quinn might have affected them a little bit more um, than maybe we gave credit for because Quinn hasn't really had that great of a year for the Bears, but maybe the presence alone helps, whatever. We're not doing Bears talk here. So I look at the Dallas, Tennessee, Philly kind of stretch, and I'm like, you have to be two and one in that stretch. The Lions win is a must. If you don't beat the Lions, who I know this could be a Super Bowl-like game for them, because they're like, all right, we can hang our hat on this. 
but I think all hope is lost. Like, I actually regretted betting on the Dolphins, start the game, the Lions come out hot, 14-0. I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? That was such a square fucking play. There's a reason the Dolphins were only three-point favorites. And then, sure enough, the Dolphins got it back. They, they picked it up because the Lions' defense is absolutely porous. There is no excuse for the Packers next week. It is an absolute must. And I, th- I think they're going to do it. They, I mean, the back was against the wall, and I think they take care of it. So as long as they take care of that, and they're 4-5 and five then, heading into Dallas, which I think that game is going to carry so much more weight than it will for Green Bay versus Dallas. I know Mike McCarthy wants to beat the Packers probably, but I think Aaron Rodgers wants to beat Mike McCarthy and rub it in his fucking face. And no one plays with a chip on their shoulder better than Aaron Rodgers. So if they were to win that, it's 5-5. Five and five. Tennessee could be tough, could be difficult, but Matt LaFleur ate Mike Vrabel's lunch last year. I, I'm hard-pressed to think they won't do it again. Tennessee probably only beats the Texans today. Like, if you really break it down, like if they have to do Malik Willis with the Chiefs, that line's going to be fucking 14 because it's going to be ugly. And I would take the Chiefs, and I wouldn't really blink about it because Malik Willis is not ready to be an NFL quarterback. He just isn't. They they got in the back of Derrick Henry, as they should, um, and Derrick Henry owns the Texans. Like, literally, he is the only like, – like Aaron Rodgers for the Bears, that's Der- Derrick Henry with the Texans. So I look at that and I say, okay, if you go on a three-game winning streak, you're six and five. You are right in the mix. Then you have a big game against Philly. You get an extra couple days, like a mini bye, which is great. And then you head into Philly Sunday night. And I had a friend of mine, shout out Pat, was like, I don't think Philly's that good, which I, I, I kind of respect that take, right? Everyone's sucking Philly's dick. And he's like, I don't know if they're that good. I would love for Philadelphia to come in undefeated. I would absolutely fucking love for the Eagles to be undefeated heading into that game against Packers, which is realistic. The Eagles play like absolutely nobody. And I'll tell you what, that would make me feel really good about that game. It would make it really would. I would feel so much better if the Eagles were undefeated, as fucked up as it sounds. And the path is kind of easy, right? They they do have to go to Indianapolis, who I thought looked a little bit better, but they they have the Colt, they or they have the Texans on a Thursday night this week, where Texans worst running, <laughs> worst run defense in all of football now has to face a team that loves running the football. Yikes, that could be ugly. And then they have to go home to play the Commanders on a Monday night on the 14th. Uh, Commanders kind of revived Taylor Heineke. Uh, did not see that coming. And then the Colts at, on the road, uh, Frank Wright potential revenge game. And then the Packers at home before you also welcome the Titans at home. So I, I think they could be undefeated, and I, I would welcome that. So either the Packers win that game or they lose that game. They they could be 6-6. Six and six, They could be 7-5. If they were on the table in November, then all bets are off. Then the division's in sight. But honestly, at this point, fuck the division, right? I, I, I don't care. Uh, it might be too far away. I've seen the Vikings collapse before. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings all of a sudden puked on their shoes and it it didn't end up working out for Minnesota. 
they have a tough road ahead of them uh, here in November. Like their November schedule is not easy. Going to Washington, uh, then going to Buffalo, which could get flat. Uh, I don't know what the Sunday night game is, but I mean, that could be a flex flex spot there. Then Dallas at home, then the Patriots at home, then a spunky Jets team also at home before going out to Detroit. And then it, it, yeah, it lightens up. They do get a lot of home games here coming up, which and they have a very good home field home field advantage. So yes, we we probably are looking at a Vikings division winner, but we still play them the second week before the week before the final week of the season. And I'll tell you right now, the Packers know they're they're a boogeyman for the Vikings. They know they scare the Vikings. The Vikings, if they see the Packers in the rearview mirror in the, in December. That's when it starts, man. That's when you start seeing, they start hearing footsteps. Kirk Cousins, all of a sudden, it's a pick six here. It's a fumble there, and you never know. And I'll tell you what, they're gonna, there's going to be some primetime Kirk, and that's it's never good for Kirk. He has a lot of noon games as of now, but I'm telling you, they're going to they're gonna get a lot of hype here um, down the stretch. And for good reason, they're 6-1. They should, they should get that hype. Like, I'm not, I'm not butthurt about that at all. All right, other questions that I have. Will Aaron Jones get moved or anybody else? I posed this to a couple group chats today. I'll pose it to you guys. I said, if you could get the same package, basically, that McCaffrey got, would you move Aaron Jones? Some people want to sell. My guy, Scott, shout out. He quote tweeted me. Uh, he is a big J um, and said, and had to put a language warning. And I actually... I, didn't think I swore I did say fuck, but I thought I only said it once. But that's probably enough to get a language warning from a guy who actually is a professional in the business, which I get. I understand it, and we'll try to keep it clean. But sometimes it just comes out. But anyways, Scott wants them to sell, which I understand, and I understand that position. I don't agree with it, but I understand that position. And Jones does have an out in the in his contract next year, where Green Bay could easily move on move on from him and the next team would assume a lot of Aaron Jones's money or they could release him and let Aaron Jones get a new deal. And I would imagine Aaron Jones wouldn't mind getting released to get a new deal. And the Eagles and the Bills both need running backs. I don't know if they would trade him to the Eagles given the fact that they play him in two weeks, but the Bills, maybe, right? If you could get the right package. Personally, I think that this would resemble the Josh Hader trade. If you want to do the Josh Hader trade, if the Packers want to live... The same experience that the Brewers did, you trade Josh Hader. I think you lose the locker room. I, I really do. I don't think you trade Aaron Jones in any way, shape, or form. I think you'd get a great package. I think it would set you up for success in the future if you nailed those picks. And I think if Jordan Love was the quarterback, I would definitely consider it. I would definitely consider it a lot more. But not with Aaron Rodgers. You are, you're hamstrung to that guy. Aaron Rodgers is not doing a fucking rebuild, okay? If you're going to do a rebuild, it is trading Rodgers in the offseason, finding a team desperate enough to take on Aaron Rodgers' contract. Would Las Vegas, right? They just gave Derek Carr a massive deal. Would they find a way to get out of Derek Carr's deal and, and go with Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Could you convince a team on maybe a Darnell Savage? Perhaps. Darnell Savage has been very bad. But maybe you could convince a team to package him with a receiver. Could you do it with Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh has had a ton of secondary issues. Could you tell Pittsburgh, like, hey, we'll throw in Savage for Claypool. We'll also give you a third-round pick. 
but we'll give you Savage, who's a former first round pick. You have him for next year at nine point seven, and I'd be I'd be fascinated on that if that's a move made. And I, again, I don't think losing Savage, you're losing the locker room, and I also think Rudy Ford or Micah Abernathy can do fine at that safety safety spot. Um, to me, that's the only guy. I, I don't think Jordan Love's going to get moved. I thought for a while, maybe. I mean, if you wanted to put Jordan Love with somebody, potentially, um, it could happen. But I'm not. I don't think Carolina would do that for DJ Moore. Um, but I would imagine they're going to try to get somebody either on their rookie deal, so they can kind of develop the guy and they have him for the future, and he's part of that future core of the Green Bay Packers, whether that's in Rodgers or Love. Or they'll get a guy who's very familiar with the system, such as a Brandon Cooks. I think Cooks or Claypool are my two guys. I think I'd be happy with either. I think either would satiate, I think, the fan base. And I actually think a move's going to happen because I think Brian Gunacoust fucked up the receivers badly. Um, really did. And I even think if Watson and Dobbs are healthy, I, don't, I still think we're having that conversation about the receivers because they just... It's not all there. And if you gave Rodgers another veteran like a Brandon Cooks, I think that this offense would take off. And so I do think a move's coming. If it doesn't come, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. I really will. Eagles made a move. Niners made a move. There's no reason why the Packers can't be in that mix. And if the Vikings somehow get Claypool, which was a rumor on Friday night, uh, that will be bad. That would be very, very bad. Will anyone get fired? I don't think so. Um, I thought Joe Barry was for a hot second, but nah. I, they played they played too well tonight. To, everybody everybody's gonna stay employed. I don't think they're gonna make any any massive changes. Um, so I, I do think everyone's gonna stay employed. But if they were to lose to Detroit, which is I mean that's rock bottom. Like we've talked about rock bottom a few different times. If they were to lose to Detroit, then yeah, someone's getting fired. Um, there's no way you can keep everybody after something like that. Okay, that was uh, question, our question segment. Um, we'll have to work on a name. Uh, any suggestions, hit us up. Tap the keg on Twitter, tap the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Something we do on both those platforms is Golden Kegs. Uh, we talk about the best and worst players from the game. Uh, we trim it down a little bit for social, uh, but during the podcast, we talk a little bit more at length. So five kegs is as easy as it can get. It's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was incredible in this football game. Uh, it was everything that you've wanted from the Packers with Aaron Jones for the last few weeks. 20 carries, 143 yards, averaged 7.2 yards per carry. He had a long of 32. He also had four catches out of the backfield for 14 yards. In total, Aaron Jones had 24 touches. Now it's yet another game where Aaron Jones had 15 more touches. The Packers have lost, but that, to me, is the Packer offense. A.J. Dillon contributed with 54 yards in his own right. Packers rushed in total for 208 yards, 6.7 per carry. That is the Aaron Jones we want. That is what we've been asking for for the last two or three weeks. Now, what took the Packers so long to do this? I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I mean, I could say that part of it is they were trying to slow the clock tonight and they were trying to keep Buffalo off the field. And I think maybe they stumbled into it a little bit. Like, I, I don't know if how much of the Aaron Jones was part of the plan. Aaron Rodgers also changed plays for Aaron Jones in this game. 
I know a lot of us have been critical of Rodgers for bailing out of runs. He did not do that today. There were multiple examples where Aaron Rodgers went to a run to Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones ran fucking hard tonight. And you have to be encouraged by that. He's been the MVP of this team throughout the, the season. Um, no question in my mind on that, on the offensive side of the ball. But I think he still took another step today. And I think that's worth excitement. This needs to be the, the constant. Will Green Bay do that going forward? I hope to hell. Like I, I that's weird. I hope that this is this is what what we see going forward. Like I, I hope this is the way. Run the goddamn ball, throw in some play action, make Aaron Rodgers sort of a second tier guy. And yeah, will there be games where they need Aaron Rodgers? Sure. And will Aaron Rodgers deliver? Maybe. Maybe it's a little less pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And that will lead to really good things. But yeah, Aaron Jones, standalone five keg guy. Has to be. Four kegs, Romeo Dobbs, like what a bounce back. I kind of thought Dobbs was lost. He got one keg last week in Washington. It was a really, really rough performance. Bounces back nicely. Four catches, 62 yards, makes an unbelievable touchdown catch. Uh, One of the best of the year. Uh, Dobbs. Just extremely impressive tonight and something you can hang your hat on. And I think Dobbs is getting a little more comfortable. And you saw all the encouragement on the sidelines. I think they really want Dobbs to perform. I think Aaron Rodgers wants Dobbs to perform. And I think the best is yet to come for Romeo. And I'm very excited to see his second half because I think it could be a big one. And I wouldn't be surprised if when NBC is doing the game for Philly in a month, they're talking about the emergence of Romeo Dobbs and how Romeo Dobbs has been a huge part of this Packer turnaround. I think he's going to have some moments here in the month of November. Preston Smith is my other four keg. I thought Preston Smith was the best defensive player on the field uh, in this game. thought that he did a really good job of being effective in both the run and the pass. Hit one near miss, I think, on the Allen touchdown when he was chasing Josh Allen. Josh, and then Amos comes up, and then Dust Knox is in the end zone. It's like, guys, just stay, stay your course. But yes, I thought this was a good game for Preston. I think he had five tackles. Uh, just consummate pro. Uh, guy, I wouldn't say he's the MVP. I'd, I'd give it to Rashawn Gary, who was pretty quiet in this game, uh, by the way. Um, not featured on the Golden Kegs, but yeah, nothing from Rashawn Gary. He was... He was kind of a ghost. Um, someone said, it was Jason Perrone, uh, shout out to him, who's like, Gary got clayed out of this game. Like very much what we've seen from Clay Matthews where, you know, or we saw with Clay Matthews, I should say, where it was like Clay just would get a lot of blocking towards him, basically get kind of absolved in the plays and people were running away from him and things like that. It's a lot of what Josh Allen did, which sprung for Preston Smith. And that's why Preston Smith can be good. I would I actually really would be interested to see if they could use Kinsley and Bargay, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary at the same time because those guys, three of them, can all get to the quarterback. I think that would make a lot of fun. Three keg goes to Jair shit talk. I understand why some could get offended by it, so that's why I'm putting it at three keg. Because like I like I I just I, I kind of done a 180 on it, so maybe the three kegs are more for me than anybody else. But, like, I was kind of like, all right, you got to show some bite, man. If you're going to bark like this, like, you got to show the bite. You got to put your money where your fucking mouth is. 
And I felt like Jair did that tonight. He got an interception. He frustrated. He got he got a penalty on Gabe Davis for pushing him in the back. Like those are the type of things that win you football games. And if Jair needs to be a full all-out troll to every team we play going forward, then so fucking be it. Because you're going to take some guys out of games. Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in football. Stephon Diggs probably is above that. Now, he responded to it after a game. He's like, I don't know who fuck started it. We won the game. That's all that matters. You know, the classic wide receiver, cornerback talk, whoever ends up on the winning end. It's a bummer. We will not see Diggs again next year, I don't believe. Um, I don't know how the extra game goes. Maybe will actually. I I can't I can't recall. Doesn't matter. His shit talk really good. I really liked it. Um, I think it needs to continue. Like I want to see it against Detroit with Amra St. Brown and the other guys on the Lions wide receiver core. I want to see it with Dallas and CD Lamb. Like this needs to be a thing now. Like you need to keep this up. I think it was good stuff. I think it added an element and it added a little bit of a swagger. To what the Packers were doing. Another receiver worth talking about, Samari Torrey. Samari Torrey did a really good job in that one play with Aaron Rodgers. He had the drop, which sucked, and that's why he's at a three keg. But there is something there with Torrey. I, I believe in Samari Torrey. I won't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers praises Samari Torrey when he meets with Pat McAfee on Tuesday. I would, if I had to bet that, um, I'd say that's a minus two hundred. I think Torrey is going to get some mention there. He's really good, man. Uh, he has, I always should say really good. That's a little overreactive. He has the makings of a ball player. Like, he, he does. And I think that Torre can be a very effective piece for Green Bay in the second half of the season. So we'll see how many snaps he gets next week. Who knows how what that receiver room will look like, man. They are the walking wounded. You still have two weeks with Cobb. Maybe you get Lazard back with a shoulder thing, whatever whatever that is. They, I don't, is it a shoulder bruise? Is it a shoulder sprain? Um, that's usually not a one-week injury, but who knows? Um, maybe you get Lazard back next week. That would be great. Definitely help in a lot of ways. Two kegs goes to Zach Tom. Look, Zach Tom's been put in a really tough spot. I'm not going to get mad at Zach Tom, if you will, um, because the guy was, what was he, left tackle last week. Now he's left guard this week. He's kind of learning positions on, on the field, trial by fire. That is not easy. That is not something that you just figure out right away. And I think the best is yet to come with Zach Tom. It's just been a little bit of a rough start. I think we all got really excited for him. We all kind of thought this was the next great Badger or uh, Packer. The next great Packer offensive lineman. (sighs) Not there just yet. Um, we We got a little ways to go. But yes, two kegs for Zach Tom. Thought he he got better in the second half, and also the run blocking. You have to you know you have to credit. You have to look credit where credits do. Pass blocking might not have been as good, but the run blocking was awesome. One keg goes to Darnell Savage. My God, Darnell Savage, what the fuck happened? He's so bad, dude. He does not want to tackle. I had a buddy who said, "Is like, would you rather have Darnell Savage or Hawkland Dix?" And I said, "I'd rather jump off my retaining wall." Um, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, Darnell Savage is not a good football player. I can't believe his option got picked up. Um, another strike against Brian Gunacoust um, because I don't know what he saw last year. I think they thought last year was a blip on the radar, but it turns out that might be the guy who Savage is. 
I don't know where he can find his confidence again. I don't know if it's putting him on special teams. I don't know if it's putting him in the star position where he said he's wanted to play. But if he puts him, put, put him in the star position, then he's not necessarily a cornerback. He's more of a – or I'm sorry, he's a cornerback more so and a linebacker more so than he is a safety. So I don't know. I have no idea what could spark Darnell Savage, but it's desperately needed. Maybe a benching, honestly. Maybe you go with Rudy Ford next week. You see how that goes. You have Savage sort of playing snaps here and there, but nothing special. And maybe that's the thing that motivates him. I don't know. We'll, have, we'll definitely have to see. Another one keg quickly officiating terrible. Just bad. I, I touched on it earlier, but need to mention it again. First half defense, also really bad. Um, I thought Joe Bear was getting fired tonight. I thought the Bills were going to hang 45 on us. They did, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, it was terrible. You need to have a better. He needed to have a better game plan. I don't. I still don't understand why Diggs did not see Jair more, especially early on in the game. Last one is composure. Quay Walker got kicked out of the game. I thought it was bullshit. Um, obviously, touching coaches is is usually a no go. But I, I think why Quay Walker got taken out of this game was because it's on national television. I think this was a noon game. I don't think anyone cares. I think you go about your day. Makes red zone, it goes viral, but that's it. And no one's really talking about it. No one's having long discussions. The NFL is terrified of having another Tua situation. The NFL does not want a Tua conversation the rest of the season. Are they going to avoid that? I don't know. We'll see. And what I mean by that is they don't want the general discourse online to be talking about one specific thing that isn't really related to football. So if they didn't kick Quay Walker out of the game and they were seeing the videos and everything like that, I'd be like, do you throw a punch? Do you do this? Do you do that? And it would be this, con- they were worried about the conversation. And that's why Troy Vincent called it in and kicked him out of the game. But you got to keep your composure, man. Uh, you can't do dumb shit and lose, lose yardage for your team. Like that, that just can't happen, especially against a team like Buffalo. And Buffalo would score in that drive. So... You need a little bit more there, um, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully, they, the Packers can kind of rein that in. They had a personal, they had Stokes had a personal foul against Washington. They they've been a little bit undisciplined, and that that's something Matt Flair needs to clean up. Like that just needs to needs to be better in the second half. And if we're it means we're running wind sprints, we're running wind sprints. But yeah, definitely not good. Um, so. Hopefully, we're talking about a happy golden keg next week with Detroit, but you never know. Um, if we aren't, I'm probably going to be drunk doing it. I'm probably just going to slur every single word, and it's going to be bad, but we'll see. Um, I hope, hopefully not. I would not like to do that. Uh, drunk, first of all, drunk podcasts, while fun at times, you have to be at a certain level. I remember when uh, Devontae Adams got traded. And I went out that night. It was the first night of the Final Four. My wife was out of town. So I had like a guy's night for myself and with some friends. And I tried to do a podcast that night. And if, again, if someone was paying me, I would have had to go home and do the Devontae Adams podcast like right away. So I tried to do it. And I could not have sounded more slurry. It was terrible. Oh, we should have kept it. It was so bad. I was like, all right. And I knew it right away. Like I knew it first, first minute in. I was like, okay, this is not good. This is bad. So I was like, all right, pause it, go to bed. See ya. We'll do it in the morning. Sorry for the delay. 
That was basically it. So there you go. There you go. How the sausage is made. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, which is a much happier topic. Milwaukee Bucks are 4-0. They might not lose the rest of the year. They have an undefeated season on their hands. It is very exciting. Uh, it has been a really good first couple weeks for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they leave they leave you a lot. They leave you feeling good right now. They, they make you feel like they're taking care of business at home. And we knew the Bucks had this easy schedule. I shouldn't say easy, but they had a schedule that you could go on a run early. And we talked about how the Bucks needed to take advantage of that. Even though it's the early part of the season, it was one of those where if you got hot early, you might have everybody chasing you the rest of the way. And that's what we might be looking at here with the Bucks. And the Knicks I was one that I wasn't worried about either game, really. I felt like the Knicks and Hawks were a tier below what the Milwaukee Bucks are. That said, you know, they, they have talent. You know, they we've had outlier nights before against teams like this on a Friday or Saturday night. They come in and shoot the lights out, and teams aren't shooting the lights out anymore. It has to be terrifying right now to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the gate two games uh, over the weekend. The Knicks shot 12 of 35 from three. Um, only one guy had, or two, had three made three pointers Fournier and Obi Toppin. Um, weirdly, I didn't know Obi Toppin, three point shooter. That I learned that. And then they were 13 to 29, the Hawks were, on Saturday night. Five of those came from Trey Young, who made, who, and he made five of 10. Um, other than that, it was pretty, and Giante Murray had three of five. So most of it came from Murray and Young. If you take out Murray and Young, that is the 18 for, or eight for 15. So you take out that, it was five for 14. Whew, whew. Only 14 attempted threes. Like the Bucks, man, are, have been monsters defensively so far. It has been really impressive to watch. And they, they're winning in different ways too, right? Friday night was all about Giannis. Like that was a Giannis game. Giannis put his team on his back and he carried those guys. He nearly had a triple-double. He had 30 points in that game with 14 rebounds and nine assists. He also had it on 22 shots. Really, if he didn't miss five threes, that would be a much more impressive stat line. Nothing wrong with him shooting threes though, but he carried that squad. 21st time that Giannis has not been able to get a triple-double because people can't make shots, basically. Um, that's a crazy, crazy fucking stat. But yeah, no one else really showed up, even though the entire team was in double figures. So then Saturday night comes. They play in, play in Atlanta. Again, that's usually a good spot for Giannis. Um, they don't have a ton of... They have size inside, but it's not it's not great size, and they're still not playing Okanwu as much as they should. Like, Okanwu should be playing over Clint Capella. Like my worst case scenario for the Hawks is that they figure out Okanwu is actually the guy that should be playing 29 minutes versus 19 that he played and Capella played 29. But anyways, here and there. Giannis really struggles. I mean, he had a he has an awesome stat line, but if you were actually watching the game, it was an ugly fucking performance for Giannis until the fourth quarter. He really turned it on in that fourth quarter. But it was like a tiered effect. Like it started out, Brook Lopez could not miss. Brook Lopez was red hot. 
Finished with 21 points. I think he had 17 in the first half. He was making threes. He had five made threes in this game. Uh, I don't. I can't remember the last time Brooke had more than three made threes in a long-ass time. So 21 points um, in this one, and most of it was in the first. And kind of similar to that the game against the Nets where if it's not for Bobby Portis, the Bucks get blown out. And if it's not for Brooke Lopez, the Bucks are probably down by a lot to the Hawks early on. And it's like, do you wave the right flag because it's a back-to-back? Then the second half, Drew Holiday started to cook. Drew finishes with 34. He also had 12 assists. One of the end four steals, one of the better Drew Holiday games I can remember offensively in his Bucks career. And then Giannis comes and cleans it up. And Giannis was almost like the Mariano Rivera in the finisher. Missed eight free throws, which I think is a little bit of back-to-back. A little bit more is being asked to you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna panic about that. Um, that's not that. That's nothing I'm gonna worry about. But yeah, it's it's really it's really exciting right now. It, it's hard not to be all in at this point. It's hard. It's hard not to see this team and and look and feel like this is going to be a championship team and a championship contender. And people haven't solved the new look box. I would say this is a new look box team. Like even though they have bring back so much, especially compared to the rest of the league, they're playing a different brand of basketball with Brooke Lopez, with trying to prevent the threes, with Giannis doing a little bit less and not and trying to involve his teammates. He didn't do that not as much against New York, but in Atlanta it was just he wasn't playing well. And then he again finished it off. So we'll see what's in store this week. The undefeated season continues to roll on. They have Detroit for two at home. So uh, hopefully all the young Pistons will uh, maybe have a, maybe had a nice Halloween evening here Sunday. I uh, was firing up the Tinder. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, we Bucks Pistons. No, actually, I think they had a game tonight. Did they play at Warriors? Yeah, they actually beat the Warriors uh, 128 to 124. That's a good win for your Detroit Pistons. Let's see who, who did well here tonight. Live podcast, fun stuff. They had four guys at 20 points tonight. Uh, Cunningham, Stewart, Sadiq Bay, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, so Warriors, man, kind of kind of sloppy so far. Uh, I know Clay Thompson didn't play this game, but Warriors, I, I don't know how much they care right now about the regular season. Very much Bucks vibes from last year. And this is what we talked about, about like the target and not having this like motivation to want to play, you know, or sorry, the team the team's having motivation to play. The Pistons aren't going to have that. So you get the Pistons on a back-to-back tonight. Uh, so that's that works to your advantage. 12 and a half point favorite for the Bucks. Wow, that's a it's a heavy line this early in the season. Then you get a day off and then on Wednesday you get the Pistons again. So that this whole back-to-back that's been going on, uh, which I I don't hate. Um, it's not. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, it's as to me, I hate it more for like gambling than I do for like actual. And I, I don't know. It's not. It's, I feel like there's a way to fix this. I was gonna do this potentially for Mitch if we were gonna do a post game show about how you would fix this and what what you could do to make it better. But yeah, it's not. It's not entirely a thing that I look forward to. So then. After Thursday, you get Friday where the Bucks head out to Minnesota and they have a 9 p.m. tip-off with the T-Wolves 
Uh, our boy Mitch Ross will be in the house. Uh, so if you're also going to be there, make sure you go say hi to Mitchie um, and his guys. And so yeah, we'll we'll get a full Target Center recap from Mitch um, next week. We will have to. Um, he'll give us the whole rundown of that. And then they have a back-to-back against the Thunder back at the Pfizer Forum on Saturday. So four games, all winnable. I, I could see a rest spot for some bucks on Saturday. We'll have to see. Um, I, I just, that's a lot of hoops, right? And this is, a, I think that wraps up six games in nine days for the Bucks. So I could definitely see someone someone taking a rest, someone just being like, you know what, might, might need a day off. And then back at it with the Hawks on Monday in Atlanta. So a good little rematch already um, next week, which we'll talk about probably on a Monday show. All right, before we ride out of here, a little Chuck's Corner. Uh, Chuck's Corner, which we do, it's basically uh, my free space, right? It's a time where I can just talk about something that's on my mind. Trying to do more of these, either this or Tap List. Um, speaking of Tap List, we did Halloween candies on Friday, and I made a glaring omission. Not an omission, a mistake. I had Snickers 5, I should have had 100 grand. Like, I, 100 grand or Milky Way. I love caramel. I love caramel. Uh, caramel is one of my favorite sweets. Like I, I like like candy caramels. Like oh, the soft caramels. Fuck, I'll pop those in all times. Hard caramels, not as big of a fan of. Uh, but it's like you can never go wrong with caramel. Like if I have to choose like combinations, like chocolate peanut butter is one, but chocolate caramel is probably number two for me. So to not have Milky Way or 100 grand on there was a Travis Sham mockery. And I should have had 100 grand there. So that's on me. You know, we got to go back to the lab. We got to work on it. We will. Uh, don't you worry. But yes, I should have had 100 grand there. So that's number one. Uh, as for Chuck's Corner, Halloween winners and losers. Uh, I wasn't out. Uh, I didn't go out. I was, well, I was out for a little bit uh, during the day. My wife and I do this like graveyard tour in the afternoon with all the beer barons of wisconsin it's awesome it's a great time i really should get more of my friends involved it's like it basically you're just walking around the forest it literally and, and like it's it's the same year to year and i mentioned that to my wife and i was like ah, do we want to do the same thing but it, also it's awesome our whole family's there and the other thing about it is like you i got like i don't know if it was a recall thing or what but like I, and you're just, you have a cooler, you're drinking, you know, you're kind of hiding it a little bit. I forgot a koozie again, but no one really gives a shit. Um, there aren't forest home police, like, or uh, forest, like cemetery workers watching you or anything like that, but you're just drinking. And then at, at the exact same spot as last year, I had to pee. Like I couldn't, I, I think I peed in the same bush. Like I really, I, it was really incredible. I, I don't know can't remember a time in my life where that has happened to me. I was like kind of amazed by it where it's like I had to, I just had to drain. Like I had to drain out. Like it was needed and it was the exact same spot. It was the exact same moment in the tour, the whole thing. Uh, it was great. And shout out to my father-in-law and his buddy who give beers at the place they, they host, uh, which is great. He, my father-in-law had Beast Light. Uh, his buddy had Blatt's. Uh, I forgot how much I enjoy a good beast light every now and again. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to buy them, 
but it was it was good, man. So yeah, I caught a caught a solid buzz, but we weren't out with the uh, the people, which I'm happy about. Um, I don't need to be standing in lines. Uh, my guy Shaykhan showed the lines on his Instagram story, and it was to McGillicuddy's, and he was playing at Brothers, and that is far. I would never do that. Uh, I joked with my wife that I was going to come down and be security for him for the night, uh, but I didn't. Um, also, uh, big. So I, I was going to do winners and losers. I realized I'm just talking about a Halloween recap for my end. Uh, but also, the the real winner is Pam Anderson. I mean, how many fucking Pam Anderson outfits did we have? I mean, it's a no-brainer for attractive-looking women, right? You just push up your tits. You look good. You're in black. You're, you know, whatever. Sunglasses, blonde hair, the whole fucking thing, right? Now, so here's my question about Pam Anderson. Was it because of the Pam and Tommy Hulu show or was it because of Megan Fox? Like, why do we think there were so many Pam Andersons? That's, that's my question. That's my number one. Um, they, way more than I expected. I didn't see a lot of Dahmers. I think that was good. Like, that's, that's society, you know, not trying to trivialize everything. It's a pretty serious serial killer in the city of Milwaukee. But as we talked about on the pod, all bets are off. I'm trying to think if I saw anything else that that was pretty good. Um, oh, the the roller rollerblade Barbie was good with Ken. Like if my wife wanted, to, I feel like that would have been the one that my wife and I would have probably been able to pull off. Um, I would have had to get bl- a blonde wig, but you know that's nothing to stop me before. Um, I'm trying to think what else that I saw that I liked. That was a that was a relatively popular couple's costume. What else was there? Should have been more well prepared here. I was trying to keep notes. Um, I thought, oh, actually, this is another one. I thought Kendall Jenner looked terrible. Nervous. Um, not that you need my opinion on Kendall Jenner, but I was just like, oh, I don't know what, what was going on there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else. Probably if I keep talking, I'll get myself into trouble. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop now. But I will say that TikTok algorithm, they uh, they gear it towards it. You see a lot of costumes. Uh, just just going to throw that out there. All right. That does it. I probably got myself in trouble anyways. Let's see. Look how that works. All right. That does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I, I want to do this Gouda Cruise deep dive. I'll try to see if I can get it done tomorrow. Um, we'll see. Uh, definitely on my radar to do. So either I do it tomorrow or I do it for... Tuesday's show, um, also, or yeah, no, that would be Wednesday's show. Wednesday we start on, so no. I, just bear with me. We have the trade deadline, so I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot. Uh, Mitch and I will be back for our usual, um, so look forward to that. Um, and then, yeah, that's the week. Uh, no keg jams, but thanks for listening. If you did check out keg jams, it's a bi-weekly podcast I'm doing with our guy Shay Ken. So uh, make sure that you go and listen. I still got work on playlists. I'd have, I said, I think I said this to you guys on Friday, but I had someone reach out about it. And I was like, oh, fuck. I, it's a little early. I was like, I was going to wait till tw- 20 songs at least. So you have at least a, a good a good vibe there. But yeah, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk more. We'll be back uh, tomorrow and look forward to talking to you guys then. All right, see you. Bye.